Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, dear friends. It is LeVar along with Mary, who you'll hear from here shortly. But welcome to another edition of Page One here on Blog Talk Radio. Glad that you can join us tonight. Uh, we were not with you last week, uh, but we are back with you again here at our normal night where you can catch us here on Blog Talk Radio. And got a lot of things to talk about tonight. Um, just to kind of give you a quick little preview of our show tonight, you can read along with us uh, on the episode info. And then, of course, I will – I guess we can't let this week go without mentioning the big story. And I don't even want to talk about what's going on in Washington. But uh, I will have – a commentary tonight on things that happened on Sunday, but I'll leave that for a little bit later in the show. Um, I will be honest with you. I had things written in my brain. Sometimes the best speeches are written speeches, but I did not write one, so you'll have to bear with me as I go with you on it because you learn a lot of things when things like this happen. And actually right now, as we are going live with you here at 10 p.m. Central Time on this Friday night, January 31st, uh, last day of January, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll bring Mary in real quick. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, but keep going. I'm interested in what you're going to say. This month went fast. Um, it did. But, uh, of course, uh, the last time that we were with you, and, of course, tonight and what I'll do here over the next few weeks, because I want to make sure that you know of the importance of something that's going on, something that's pretty special, something that my dear friend here is doing. Uh, in a few weeks from now, uh, she will be taking part in uh, something with the St. Baldrick's Foundation in which she will be not shaving her hair, but cutting off her hair. I guess there is the... Nope, uh, the other way around. Oh, shit. See, but you're cutting it all off, though. I mean, what's... <laughs> yeah, I'm cutting it <laughs> off. Cut off, shave. I'm hating when I cut off, and then I'm shaving my head, yes. Cut off, shave. It's all gone. It's it's like a clearance sale. It's all gone. It's all going. Yeah, it's all gone. <laughs> Down to the bare... She's going to be doing something with safe boxes. You never make this easy, do you? <laughs> but, um, the important thing here to remember is every two minutes, child's diagnosed with cancer. And we want to help with St. Baldrick's in funding the research that will save their lives. There's a couple of ways to do this. One is through the direct link that I will be posting not only on my page, but I'm pretty sure Mary will be posting on her Twitter page. You can follow me over at News Comet BTR. You can follow Mary over at... The Live Mama. Okay. Also, by phone, you can call 888-899-2253. But there's a participant code that we want you to use. That participant code is 1044 616. I'll repeat that again. The phone number is 888-899-2253, and you're going to use the participant code 1044616. There's an extra caveat to this, and I guess there is nothing too 
uh, hit home. You know, it's weird when we do things or we say things because things always seem, there's a story that pops up that hits home and makes more sense. Uh, right after, and I kid you not, right after I talked with Mary about this, and I did not tell her about it, right after I talked with her about this last week, uh, there was actually a story, and uh, you can look it up, but there is such a pretty young lady. Her name is Lillian Grace Ward. She was born on September 5th, 2019, and there was a... Uh, the parents noticed that something wasn't quite right with her. She wasn't moving her limbs quite right. MRI uh, was then ordered, and doctors spotted something on her brain stem. By then, uh, Lillian's breathing had become compromised, so they sent her to the neonatal intensive care unit, placed her on a breathing tube and gastric feeding tube. And after everything else a few days later, uh, they found a tumor uh, that was inoperable and growing aggressively. Uh, it was a stage 3-4 malignant uh, glioma. I hope I did pronounce that correctly. Uh, after a general round of chemo, her parents got to go ahead and put her on this new targeted kind of chemotherapy, and it worked. Three weeks later, her tumor was gone. And as of January 25th, uh, little Lillian signif uh, helped to ring a bell signifying that she was cancer-free awesome story um, and it goes to show uh, things that happen when there's money put forth to uh, research and things of that nature and like we said every two minutes a child is diagnosed with cancer so far we have been on the air for about six minutes that means three kids have been diagnosed with cancer that's three too many and if you have a chance to do something, please, when we post this on our pages, if you can give a dollar, two dollars, I mean, we spend more at Starbucks, we spend more wasting on a lottery ticket, we spend more probably buying that chocolate bar that we know that we shouldn't have, I ask of you. And if there's anything that I will ask of you during this, my birthday month, <laughs> now I'm going to actually lay it on you is to, if you can, donate, especially toward my friend and her quest of trying to raise funds for St. Baldrick's. And once again, you will be able to go on a link that we'll be posting tonight on each of our pages, or you can call by phone at 888-899-2253, participant code 1044616. Thank you. So... Did I miss anything? Not at all. No, so, no that was great. Yeah, it was an awesome story that I saw. Um, and it, it hits home even more so because you don't hear too many stories like that. You know, to only be four months old and to have to have that battle right away. And I'm so glad that she's doing better. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about here tonight. Uh like I said, um, this has been one of those real weeks, and, and um, later on tonight I, I will be discussing it. I do want to start off. I know a lot of people have done shows on it, 
blogs on it. Um, I didn't want to be the person to add one more in a week in which, you know, in which this is already a sad week. Uh, I mean, we already, you know, it's the bill. Um, and, of course, our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all the families that are involved uh, this week with that uh, who have to pick up the pieces. And we've seen a couple of interviews with family members this week, and they are still grappling with it. The only thing that I have to say right now ahead of tonight, if at a time in which someone is hurting, it is probably in best interest, and I don't want to like put a cap on anybody and say, no, you can't say this. You know, growing up, there was always something that my grandmother <laughs> or teachers used to say is that if you really don't have anything nice to say at that time, it's better not yet just not to say it at all. Social media kind of brings out sometimes the best, sometimes the worst. <laughs> Times like this, it kind of goes tenfold. You get people who want to put in their two cents that you know that they wouldn't say uh, if they were in a room full of people. But it is what it is, and unfortunately, it's just one of the things that we all have to deal with. But at the end of the day, know that there are families that are hurting, and if you were hurting, you would not want the same thing said. I'll leave it there. But, my dear friend, uh, let's yeah, get on with at least something to kind of like <laughs> get our minds off of everything that's going on here. Uh, sure. We weren't here last week, but there was a story that uh, I know when I mentioned it to Mary, uh, it's, I know it is something that is not new. <laughs> it's something that probably no. some people have done, but there was something that I saw that caught my eye, and it was about Amy Schumer. And it was an article from E! News, and the headline says, Amy Schumer's ex lives with her and her husband. I'll repeat that. Her ex lives with her and her husband. And uh, so Amy and her husband, uh, Chris Fisher, uh, have a new roommate, Kyle Dunnigan. And on uh, a few weeks ago, the comedian who briefly dated uh, Amy explained their living situation during his visit to the Howard Stern show and how the exes actually make it work. And he said that her apartment is beautiful. If you saw it, you'd stay. And he said he's been there for a month and a half. She's been very cool. And after explaining that he's been bunking um, with uh, them while they work on their new Hulu show, he joked that uh, he has no plans to ever leave their pad. He says, I'm supposed to leave in three weeks, but I don't think I'm going to. And since moving in, he said that he's become a rather entitled roommate now that he's gotten accustomed to the household's lavish amenities. And, uh, the, of course, the big question was, was what does her husband think of the whole arrangement? And according to him, he said that the two hit it off right away. We bro out, he said. We play chess, and all the food is really good and free because, of course, her husband is a professional chef. All kidding aside, he admitted that he's taking things a bit too far. He says, i got to get out of there, because this is like suspended adolescence. <laughs> and uh, 
he pretty much, I don't know, I, I, I read this article, and without kind of going into details, I know of a situation in which something like that kind of occurred, <laughs> where a person had their ex-husband living with them, and at their time, their fiancé and their kids blended all family together. And I don't know, but if I'm the husband, granted I know you all dated, granted I am secure in our marriage and I trust her, it's still a little bit uncomfortable for me. And I don't know if I would, I would be glad to spring for the hotel or wherever you're going to stay. (laughs) I don't want you in my house. If the situation was on your uh, if that was happening to you, would you feel comfortable with it? Uh, it, it would depend. My current ex and my new person? No. That would be a no. Um, but if they ended on good terms, I guess it could work. But he's uh, an ex for a reason. Like, <laughs> there's a reason that didn't work out. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. And it usually you. involves... Okay. All right. So Please we're do. talking in regards to if it was two guys, but what if his ex wanted to come and live there? Would you feel comfortable with it? Again, they're an ex for a reason. No. <laughs> All right. Say it was probably one of those relationships that both jokingly say, we don't know why it ended. Um, oh, definitely <laughs> no. Then definitely huh? no. Because then if there was a, there was a clear, <laughs> defined were... no – then absolutely I would be okay. It's like it would be it'd be awkward and feel weird, but I'd be all right. If there's like, oh, I have no idea why we stopped. Definitely no. Definitely no. <laughs> I figured you would say that. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I think it depends on just how exy they are if that makes sense. <laughs> how exy they are. Because I think how sexy their exy is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're still kind of close, and it's still like that type of relationship as to where, you know, somebody's not, uh, you know, still walking around probably half naked in my house, and they're like, oh, that's okay. That's how she is. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little concerned. <laughs> well, yeah, so, and there'd have to be very specific ground rules about it, like I would think. You can't just be like, let everybody run amok. But even then, would it be an open-ended thing, or would it be one of those things where you'd say, hey, look, you could stay here, but it has to be for, quote, a certain amount of days? I would say have a – anything should – everything when it comes to having somebody stay with you that's not normally with you should have an end date. Gotcha. <laughs> because then it could turn into one of those situations where they're just there. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. forever. Like they could be there You think for like a month And they're there for like Three years Right That you don't want Or somebody who No Is a room there And thinks that uh, It's okay to uh, Just come in and like Crash whenever they're in town (laughs) Right Yeah That's not the good thing So yeah no, By the way, I am opening up the phone lines for all of you tonight. Uh, if you do have a comment or if you uh, wanted to share something tonight or 
uh, you're following along with us, you can, of course, tweet along with us using the hashtag Page1BTR or give us a call at 563-999-3779 if you are listening. So, um, but yeah, I don't know about that one. I, I, I'm like a no. I, I think anything, I would much gladly help you find a hotel in the area. <laughs> Especially if I can understand having him sleep on the couch for a couple of days, but yeah. But then it's Hollywood. They're weird. Yes, Hollywood is a little weird. Um, that's not shocking. <laughs> Speaking of not shocking. Uh, the good folks in Utah. I read this article. Um, I am. Uh, I understand of the area. I don't write me. Don't at me, as the kids say. But this story from Salt Lake City: an HIV awareness campaign featuring condom wrappers with cheeky slogans that put a sexy spin on state pride met a quick end as the governor ordered the health department to stop distributing them. Utah Governor Gary Herbert's intervention came hours after the designs became public on uh, Wednesday. Herbert, a Republican, understands the importance of educating residents about HIV prevention, but said he does not approve of using sexual innuendo as part of a taxpayer-funded campaign. The prophylactics were labeled with phrases like the greatest sex on earth, a spin on the famous license plate ski slogan, the greatest snow on earth, snow. About 100,000 of the condoms were to be handed out for free through the Utah AIDS Foundation, uh, also through local health departments and University of Utah clinics. Community activists also plan to place them at bars, social clubs, and motels. The campaign was created with federal funds. Uh, Aaron Fratto, who's a health program specialist at the Utah Department of Health, said before the governor's order that we're pushing the envelope and that we're really trying to have fun with it, get people talking. After the governor weighed in, though, the health department apologized for the offensive packaging, said the campaign had not gone through the necessary approval channels, and authorities regretted the lewd nature of the branding. Wyoming and Alaska have also done similar campaigns in recent years. Did the governor overreact? Yes. I'm sorry. I was supposed to pause on that one. <laughs> hmm, let me think about that. Yes. Like, come on, Utah. First of all, they have bars in Utah? That's funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I saw. I'm I was kidding. Like, really? They have they have to have bars in Utah for the people that aren't Mormon. I'm we're gonna get shut down. I'm sorry, I'm being controversial. Really what it comes down to is yeah, he overreacted. They were fun. There wasn't anything that was like okay, first of all, it's on a condom wrapper. So if you're gonna say the greatest sex on earth you're you're giving them a condom. They're gonna have sex with the con. I mean, what are they doing with the condom? Blowing it up and using it as balloons? Come on, people. Like really, let's be serious about this for a second. Like come it's like on. Like in college, when you know uh, your <laughs> it was a condom giveaway, or your your residence hall director had them, or the the clinic on your college campus. Yeah, they had, had them in a basket in. near their door, and they're just like, yeah, you come to visit, just grab one on the way out. Right. Whatever. In this day and age, there should not be any kind of. There's always going to be that little bit of taboo, but and what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like sensitivity to it. Stop being sensitive. Stop being embarrassed about it. It's a condom. You use condoms to have sex. 
safe sex, which is what they were trying to get people to do, have safe sex. Uh, yeah, no, he, I think he overstepped his bounds a little. Not overstepped, he overreacted. There could have been a better way of doing it. Because even, even beyond that, like, I'll go on the government side of this. He doesn't want federal funds to pay for something that cheeky. That's great. They've already been made. Right. So more federal funds will have to go to get them remade. Hey, government spending at its finest. If you can't do it once, or if you can't do it once for a, for a high price, do it twice for the same. Yeah, I will. Insane, insane. Yeah, I will definitely say it's. Uh, I think he overreacted. I mean, but looking at some of the um, condoms that I did see, a couple of them were probably like, oh. But at the end of the day, we're trying to help prevent something and like just go with the flow. But guess what? Speaking of going with the flow, uh, we do have a caller. Um, going to go to the lines and. Um, I am going to say good evening. How are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Just Pianchi. Hey, and I want to make comments on your comment. Are you going to talk about the AC, the standardized test later in your yes. conversation? Oh. Well, let me mm-hmm. make a comment. Let me make well, a comment what? on these comments, well, if well, you don't mind. While you're here, <laughs> and uh, since uh, you did mention that, uh, I will go to that story, and actually, uh, it was quite an interesting story because I am uh, going to. T- let me make a comment on the condoms. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Now here we here we go with this. I don't think the government should be indulging in providing condoms. Now I've uh, I, in St. Louis area, I see these things in bookstores, and they in jugs. And kids going back and forth from school would come into the bookstore and grab a handful of them. Also, they have lubricant in those a little tubes of lubricant along with those condiments. What it is is a organization next door that deals in these subjects, and they give condoms for free, and they put them on display. Well, here's the thing. If all these condoms are free, then why are there so many abortions? for unwanted pregnancies that you want the government to pay for. <laughs> well, if, if, if we're going for an answer for that, the condoms are trying to prevent them. So if the condoms aren't available yet, then that's why kids are getting pregnant. I think it's not about well, the condoms as much as it is about the discussion of having, one, responsible and safe sex if you're going to do it, and if you're not going to do it, how to handle being abstinent in a world where there's a lot of peer pressure. So if you have those open-ended discussions and they're honest and forthright, you're going to have a better chance of reducing abortions, if that's what you're looking to do, and also reducing risk of STDs, unwanted pregnancies, children getting out there and doing things. If they're not getting abortions or we're not allowing abortions, having children go out there and having kids themselves and not finishing their education. And that's Well, the kids sorry, aren't having this. It's, it's, it's the older women. But the thing I'm saying, like I've been talking about St. Louis area where they mm-hmm. on Forest Park, they have a parent planhood, which, mm-hmm. you know, people actively protest it all the time. 
But here's the thing. You got free condoms where you don't have to become stressful in getting some type of prophylactic for a woman who has sex to get pregnant. The condoms are free. So if that's the case, the condoms are free, then there shouldn't be any activity at Planned Parenthood where women are going in wanting to get abortions. The abortion numbers have not dropped off, even though condoms are free. So it must be something else that's going on there. Like you said, irresponsibility. But if it is irresponsibility, why should I, as a taxpayer, have to pay for somebody's abortion, which is morally against my principles? Good question. It's a, it's okay, a wonderful you, question. I don't think we have time on this show. We can go through the standardized test. Yeah, it's very. I was going to go for a while. Uh, I know you wanted to uh, discuss it, but uh, the one yeah, thing about definitely. for you in the Midwest, you are familiar with Northern Illinois University, and they announced on Wednesday that they're going to eliminate the use of standardized tests in undergraduate admissions and merit scholarship decisions next year. Any high school graduate who applies to Northern with a cumulative grade point average of 3.0 or above will be guaranteed admission to the University of DeKalb. And in a statement, NIU President Lisa Freeman said that the policy is a result of the university's commitment to making college education both accessible and equitable for a diverse student population. She said it reflects our efforts campus-wide to eliminate unnecessary and biased barriers throughout a student's educational path. Now, the test-blind policy goes into effort for applicants for the fall 2021 term. And college officials have long tried to assure students that admission involves more than test scores, saying grades, essays, and other materials gave a clearer picture of student capabilities. However, admissions officials have said that the message will be lost until schools drop the test score requirement. And NIU Provost Beth Ingram says that once the university learns a high school student's GPA, one standardized test score is irrelevant. She added the university believes the decision to drop the test will encourage students to, quote, focus on getting the most out of their high school classes. So the question here, uh, I am a person who is not a good test taker, took the ACT, did not take the SAT. Is this something that probably, for? I'm going to be careful here on how I present this question, because I know that some schools or the higher-end schools, such as Harvard, Yale, will probably still use this, or the specialized schools like MIT or anywhere else probably will, but should most probably some colleges or state schools probably start to go with uh, this policy of maybe not using standardized test scores? Well, let's let our, is our guest still with us? Let's, let's see what he says. Well, I'm, I'm against doing away with it myself. How do you know what the student is capable of doing? case in point. It was discussed about the Baltimore school district, high school students, where you had 3,480 that took the math test for them to exit high school. Only 14 passed with a proficient grade out of 3,000 or something. Well, how are those students if they go to college, how are they going to perform? They're not going to perform. They're going to have to get knocked back down to some remedial class in math. You see the same thing with your historical black colleges and universities, where you only have five schools that have a graduation rate, 
above 50% in six years, and some as low as 17%. Now, I'm not blaming the children, but wherever they're coming from, that's where the blame should be levied because they are not preparing those students for the okay. rigors of college. I, I was going to say, so where they're coming from, you're talking about like the teachers actually preparing the students? Uh, for taking such a test over time or like the school system actually putting things into place as to where you know it starts at like an early age uh, like some schools are specific as to where they what a, is that what you're talking about? To be about? more direct it's the parents responsibility to make sure that their child is receiving the type of education that they should in order to prepare them for their long term educational goals the teachers don't have to do it because whether the child learns or not, the teacher's getting paid. The building's getting paid. But it's the parent's responsibility to make sure that their child is learning. You can't go by a report card. You should have your child independently assessed and evaluated to make sure that what their report card says is actually what exists with that child. So what do you think? I guess my question here, too, uh, Playing the devil's advocate once again. For I know some people who are great students, uh, probably, uh, but don't test well. And if they take that ACT, SAT, and it doesn't show the type of student that they are, and like say if you have a student, admissions wise come, and they are pretty fair probably 3.0, above 3.0, but just did not test well ACT, SAT-wise. Uh, do you believe that they should probably take a look at that if the student says, hey, look, I've got, like, these type of grades and the ACT wasn't indicative of what I can do and do it on a test-by-test basis, or should they just continue on looking at that ACT, SAT score? Well, I think they should continue looking at the ACT, SAT score myself. I know some school districts where the average ACT uh, score is like a 14 and maybe even less than that. Whereas in the state, and I'm talking about a school in uh, Illinois, the average for the state is like an 18. So those children are not going there. And it's happened to be a black school district too. So where are they going to go? So they aren't being prepared. When you enter into a college, my grandson attends LSU. He's an engineering student. On orientation day, he had to take a math test to see where he scores. Where if he didn't score a certain level, well, he was not going to be ready for Calc 1, Calc 2. He would have had to go back to a lesser uh, previous math and that would prepare him for that. And I think that's very important. And I want to let my co-host kind of have uh, a word in here. Oh well, no, I'm I'm in I'm enjoying this back and forth because my my opinion is completely different from all y'all's. So, <laughs> so I'm coming from. <laughs> we want it. I'm coming from a different area. Um, I I mean where where it comes down, like just a just a couple of comments along the way. Um, I understand the the allure of an ACT or an SAT um, and for specialty schools, for your schools that have specific programs like engineering, like LSU or, or Michigan 
or MIT or the um, higher-end schools like Yale, Harvard, that kind of thing, you're going to need to have be able to do go ahead and take those tests. You're in a high-pressure situation. You need to take those tests. But for schools like NIU, which is a very public school, the liberal arts college, I believe, I think they've went over to, but a school like NIU, where it's located, the kind of clientele that goes to NIU, and I know that area. I grew up in that area. That was going to be my school. Um, that, that the ACT, the SAT is not that and not as important. Now, do I think as a parent your child should still take those those tests? Absolutely. If your child is not very good at testing, they don't test well. You're not going to get the greatest scores. Do the parents need to be involved in the education? You're absolutely correct. But the teachers need to be involved as well. If the teachers aren't involved then my tax dollars that are paying for that school, for that public school, for that my child to go into, then I'm upset because they need to be covering not just the test but everything else. It is my responsibility to, to follow up on that and to make sure that my child is on that, but that's their job. Just like it's a police officer's job to keep me safe, it's a medical, a medical professional's job to be able to keep me healthy, it's my job as a government employee to provide service for my residents. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you get hired on for. And that's kind of where I'm at. So it's I'm in the middle with everything, but I do believe that in places like NIU, this is a good thing for them. Um, but the test shouldn't go away. Of course, at my the end of the day, we all agree that it does start at that ground level, which is always in the home because it's so important. Because if you don't stress a oh, great education, it's not going to be embedded. You just don't get that from going to school. It starts with examples there in the home. Uh, I think absolutely. we can all agree on that. If you're, if you're as a, yeah, absolutely. If, as a parent, you're not reading, your child's not going to read. As a parent, you're not doing bills in front of your child, they're not going to learn how to do, do bills. As, as a parent, if you're not you know, if you're not doing the skills, the study skills that you should be doing, they're not going to they, – they lead more by your example than what you say. So, yes, it absolutely starts in the home. Absolutely. Takes a village, though. <laughs> appreciate it. Hey, appreciate, appreciate you calling in tonight, my friend, and uh, lending us your insight as always. I'd, I'd love it, and uh, we thank you for – opening our eyes with some questions that we will take away from this tonight and uh, hope that you have a uh, great weekend, all right? Same to you, and thank you for letting me contribute to the show. No, thank, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you. Anytime you can open our eyes, we welcome anybody calling in and opening our eyes and uh, always having something to say. And like I said, you can give us a call, 563-999-3779. Um, you, my friend, ran across this interesting story this week in regards to license plates. Yes, yes, I did. It was a. It came up on. Um, I heard it through a radio show, and then of course I had to verify it, and then found that on USA Today that in Vermont um, they are actually putting in a bill. It's been filed at the legislature to make available for license plate customization emojis. They're saying that the character customization for that option for the license plate, the bill that was proposed by State Representative Rebecca White, 
so that the symbols could be added in addition to <clears throat> the distinctive number assigned by the Commissioner of Motor Vehicles for the or the numerals and letters selected by the registered owner of the vehicle as a vanity 12 plate. If the bill passes, Vermont would be the first state in the U.S. to allow the emojis. Um, I believe that they said that it would be um, Australia. Yeah, Queensland, Australia was as one of the first places in the world to do it. Um, Vermont would charge $48 for a vanity plate. It's unclear how much the plates would cost with the emojis, and they're not really sure which emojis will be um, included, but the most popular in general are the smiley face with the tears of joy, um, the smiley face with the red hearts for the eyes, and then the smiley face that looks like it's rolling on the floor laughing. Those are the top three. So what do you I think? think? Uh, you know what? Plates? Yeah, I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> but you know what, though? I like the idea of the smiling face emojis. I don't think uh, – I don't want to see a poop emoji on somebody's, like, car. I don't think they're going to allow a poop emoji on somebody's car. Um, and I don't think they're going to allow – poop emoji? Come on. Yeah, I don't think they're going to allow the eggplant. I don't think they're going to allow the guy with the tongue. I just don't think those things are going to be on there. <laughs> Because you can lead to a lot of trouble, but I mm-hmm. I like the idea of it. I mean, I wouldn't get one, but it's cool with me if there are particular faces that are allowed. I know some people might want the grumpy face, or they might want the uh, the crying face. I don't think I want to see that on somebody's car because I'm like, man, they're just a depressing soul, you know. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. If you have like probably three or four particular ones, but then again, three or four particular ones, you're gonna see like a bunch of cars. With like, I don't know. Maybe it might have some type of reverse thing going. Maybe a smiley face on a license plate might cause somebody to actually smile. I don't know, but I I don't I I wouldn't get one personally. What about you? Gotcha. Um, I wouldn't either. I don't know that, I, I guess logistics-wise, I'm thinking like, okay, I get into a car accident, because you know me, Asian driver, come on now, I'm going to get into an accident. So, <laughs> I get into a car accident with a car that has one of those one of those plates, how do you report that to your insurance? His license plate number was smiley face emoji, smiley face emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji, four. <laughs> Smiley face emoji, four heart emoji, praying hands. Like, like, how do you say that to your insurance carrier? Um, how do you report that when you, you know, to the police officers for the car that ran you off the road? Well, you see, officer, it was one of these cars with the heart emoji on it. Um, but, I mean, I can see where it would be. If they, they've, emojis have flooded into everything. They've become lexicon. They've become a language on their own. So, I mean, very carefully, if they if they limit what's available and it's very carefully done, maybe it could be done. But then you're going to end up with stuff like HD and then a smiley face, you know. You know, and it's going to be like, ooh. Or it will be that one person that will have smiley face, and then it'll just have like two letters afterwards which just say F you. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. see that that way. <laughs> Somebody actually does mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah or or, or little, something like, yeah. yeah, there's yeah, like, 
F and then just a little E, F, and then U, P, and then like, a, I don't know, a rolling face or something. I don't know, something like that. Be like, oh, great. Thanks. You know? So do they have to be careful, I guess, because of now the language of that is that has be the emoji language. Right. I think. But it is funny that Vermont is the place that it started. You would think that'd be a California thing. Or yeah. Florida thing. Nah, not Florida. California. Yeah. Pacific Northwest maybe even. But Vermont? <laughs> right. They're very buttoned up over there. I know. I, I I would think that they would have like all the license plates would have like a bottle of like maple syrup or something. That's what I'm. Saying. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. That's just my own opinion. But um, mm. one thing too, before I forget, uh, generally on this show as well, we will remind you always of things that are upcoming, uh, things that we want you to be a part of, and one of those things uh, coming up. Uh, as many of you know, uh, outside of these shows, that we also work uh, with PLM and putting on some shows. And this month, uh, birthday month, not only for yours truly, uh, but also uh, for Spontaneous as well. And generally throughout the month of February, we do a couple of shows. Uh, we have some guests on. I can tell you uh, that one of the big shows coming up that I will be doing um will be coming up on Sunday night, February 23rd. Mark your calendar. Uh, it will be at 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time. I'm sorry, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central Time. I will have a special 411 Lounge uh, with one of the uh, legendary MTV VJs uh, from Yo MTV Raps, Dr. Dre himself. Um, he will be here. We will have a lot to discuss because he's been in the news uh, a lot over the last year in regards to uh, things going on with his health, and he wants to set the record straight on a lot of that. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about uh, people who uh, he watched coming up in the rap game because if there's any history of MTV, one of the big uh, parts of MTV was Yo! MTV Raps. If you were a rap fan growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, him and Ed Lover, who actually is on the radio here in Chicago in the mornings, uh, were mainstays uh, on MTV with pretty much a lot of rap artists that got their debut uh, pretty much through Yo! MTV Raps. So Dr. Dre will be here uh, on Sunday night, February 23rd, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central. We will have more details on News Comet BTR, uh, but definitely excited to have them. And uh, we will also be having a few more Sunday night shows, but that is uh, something to stay tuned for. So that is out of the way. Uh, also, too, uh, before That's for- still awesome, too. Yeah, I know that's pretty awesome. I'm I'm excited to talk to him. You know, I I watched MTV Rats. Uh, you know, and, and he is pretty much uh, I would say probably like an encyclopedia of uh, hip hop and rap throughout that time. Not only being a DJ and you know 
on the East and uh, knowing all of these guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody who's lived it, seen it, <laughs> you can talk about it. So he's got a lot to share. Um, and real quick, speaking of PLM fam, I wanted to send a shout-out uh, to DJ FX, who lost his uncle uh, this week, uh, and we'll be saying goodbye to him tomorrow. Um, so much love to you, fam. Uh, FX has been on uh, my show when we've done the roundtables, and I just want to send a shout-out to him this week, thinking about him, our condolences, and uh, definitely thinking uh, about him as we uh, round out the week here. But, um, yeah, Sunday, uh, this weekend, you know, it's happened so fast. Every year I think this happens so fast, but uh, it really hasn't because it's been a couple of weeks since we now know who will be playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, of course, that is the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of bets, I'm sure, will be taken. <laughs> now, I had an interesting article. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I do know, and everybody who is a gambler knows that there are prop bets. Um, we are not going to give too many prop bets. Uh, I had a little list of them. They ranged from the ridiculous. It was everything from how long the national anthem was going to be with Demi Lovato, uh, whether it was going to be at two minutes, under two minutes, or over two minutes, to over under. Uh, also, uh, whether she was going to wear a dress or whether she was going to wear a gown or uh, something else, or whether the time of her national anthem was going to be longer than a scoring drive during the Super Bowl. A lot of different stuff. I'm going to get to the real nitty-gritty of this, and I'm going to ask my friend what's Sunday coming up. You have a chance to leave something for uh, etched on recorded voice. You can look like oh, God. Nostradamus with this pick. Who are you picking for the Super Bowl? What's the final score? Oh, I don't know the final score. I couldn't give you that. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. So if I was going to go by my pool that at work that is completely random, then <laughs> it's going to be the Chiefs by one. Really? If I go by my pool for work. Because if that happens, then that means I get away with some, some cash and um, mommy needs a new pair of shoes. So, hopefully that's what's going on. Honestly, I think it's going to probably be the Chiefs if, yeah, I think it's going to be the Chiefs if we can get Mahomes running. If they can't, then, you know, if they can't, it's going to be the 49 Go figure. Um, but, no, if Mahomes can get, get a good drive going and get, get really warmed up and really going, um, they've proven to be a pretty hot team. And then on top of that, they don't get flustered by being down. Um, as proven in the last couple of games of not being in the lead from the get-go. Um, so I think it is going to be the Chiefs, and if I had to give you a final score, I would say we'll go 27-31. Mm. Really? Well scoring <laughs> on both sides. But still, still some good scores. This was tough. I actually yeah. had to think about it, and I uh, said this could go either one or two ways. If you flash back to last year, was it Rams and uh, Patriots? 
uh, high-powered offense that fizzled out and nobody was to be found and they couldn't even score. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen on Sunday. I actually do think that it could potentially be a shootout. Potentially. But a few things have to happen. You know, the Col- uh, Colts, the uh, Chiefs have a great offense. can score out of anywhere. The defense is suspect. 49ers, while they have a great defense, their offense is shaky. Jimmy Garoppolo really isn't like an elite passer like Patrick Mahomes. Don't argue with me, 49ers fans. You know it. He's not like in your top five of like passers. I mean, he's good for what he does, and he controls the offense. You're not going to think like a 50-point game from Jimmy Garoppolo. But with that being said, something has to not equal out. While I am going with the Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl, I will give you two scores. If the Chiefs win, I am predicting that it will be one of those things where the 49ers are going to try and keep pace with them for a while, and eventually it will kind of fail. If they get the same running game that they got in the NFC title game, it's going to be problems for the Chiefs. I am predicting Chiefs 56, 49ers 44. But wow, 49ers win. And you see what I did? I'm going to tell you what I did there in just a minute. But if the 49ers win, I'm with you. It's going to be close. And I think it will be 49ers with a score of 43 to 38. It'll be real close. But you see what I did there with the win? I had 100 combined points in the 100th season of the NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. But I did say high-powered game. Now, I would be shocked if it is anything less than, like, 20 points for both teams. I'd be very shocked. I'll be uh, the first. Like that, yeah, that's. That's no, I don't see that happening anytime. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a close game though. No matter what way it goes, I think it's going to be close, and it's going to be a good game. Um, mm-hmm. So bravo for that, at least. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we got a few minutes left, and I did tell you that tonight uh, I uh, had a commentary, and I, I guess very rare when I get a chance to do commentaries on here. This is called news and comment, but. Uh, usually I have a two-minute rant. Usually I have uh, some words, but rare when I get a chance to do this, rare when I have to say, of course, the views and opinions are mine. It is not that of my partner. It is not those of anyone else, but it is strictly mine. And the great thing with having your own blog is that you can do that. But this week, uh, of course, if you, uh, it's been everywhere uh, in regards to what has happened, and of course by now you all know. Uh, on Sunday there was a helicopter crash that claimed the lives of nine people. Among those, uh, NBA star Kobe Bryant and his daughter. In between, then, uh, I think one of the things that I've noticed is that. In the first few days, 
I think people get a little wound up. Uh, of course, there's shock and sadness. And, of course, the main people that are going to be remembered is, of course, Kobe Bryant. Why? Because he was on a world stage in which he had a lot of fans, a lot of admirers. But, of course, he also had a lot of detractors and a lot of people who, rightfully so, had issues with uh, things that he did uh, earlier when he was uh, younger, and that is no excuse whatsoever. Um, and there were people who were saying, well, why do you mourn a person who you know, did something like that? But I, I kind of go back to the thing of people have a right to mourn no matter what. Even people who have done wrong are mourned by someone. And in this case, the fan base that mourned him are people who were fans of the player. Maybe not of the person, but of the player, because they grew up with that player. Um, You have seen a lot of people who have women and men who have talked about the impact that he's had on them and on younger players. Uh, I was driving in the car on Sunday and was listening to a couple of uh, players from the WNBA who had talked about how he routinely made it a point to show up at their games uh, to give them encouragement, uh, to let them know that they were on the same level. And I think that one of the things that you take away from this week, and sadly so often is the case, is just how fleeting life is. That you hope that whatever you do with it, that even if you make mistakes, even if you do things that are considered unforgivable, that you try while you are here to make those wrongs right. You can never be right, if that makes sense, but you hope that you at least do something to change that. And I get where people are coming from on both sides, whether you don't agree with someone who is mourning this and taking it as a personal loss. And you have to remember, people, when they are fans of someone, and whether it is an athlete, movie star, whether it is someone on a public stage, you live vicariously through them. You're a reason they are a fan of your favorite team. I understand this week, morning as well as those who still question you have every right to do that at the same time it's wrong for people who are mourning to question those who are questioning why they're mourning and for those who aren't mourning to question why people are mourning because it's their prerogative as to what they do and at the end of the day you have to remember that outside of all of that there are nine families This week, or not nine families, but there are a few families who has now had their lives changed. And I think out of anything that we have to remember in the midst of probably bickering with each other as to why we're doing this or why we aren't doing that, and I've heard too much of it this week, you do know that there's a few things that you can do. One, there's a power to turn the channel. You don't have to watch it. Two, if you do want to watch it and it helps you through the morning process, do that. No one's here to tell you pretty much when to mourn, not to mourn. But at the same time, I think it can all be said that we can agree that while there is nothing 
that any of us can do, that we do pray and that we do think about those families that are affected by the loss that they suffered on Sunday. And with that, it brings to mind every time, and I know it gets old, but whenever something like this happens, to just stop and think about just how precious life is. To tell those that you love that you love them because you never know, even if you walk outside that door or even if you are going on a routine drive to work, things can change in a heartbeat. So as you continue on this weekend and as you go into anything else that you do, stop and take a little time. And if you have some outgoing things going on with somebody, if it can be squelched and if it's something that's small, it's not even worth long time resentment because you've seen now people who had resentments with Kobe or with, you know, ever what was going on. The one thing that you've seen in every interview is that they wish they would have been able to uh, get it squashed or they wish they had that moment back. So it's up to us to take a lesson from all of this and remember that for our life to be somewhat like that on that same level is to live a good life in which we enjoy it and in which we enjoy the people around us and in which we pretty much just do right by everybody. And I think that's pretty much all that I can add with that. And for all of those that perished this week, you know, say a prayer for them. And I guess at the end of the day, also say a prayer for all of those that you love and tell them that you love them and hold them tight because you never know. And I don't even know what much more to say beyond that, but uh, to ask my friend if she has anything else to add this week. Oh, God, no, that was perfect. Yeah, anything I have to add is going to sound moot at this point. Hey, um, other than you're absolutely correct. You don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. So today is your day to make your mark, to um, make sure the people that you care about know, to fulfill your promises and to stand up and, and be the person that you should be. So um, bravo for your your little speech. It was very it was I it was very touching. I'm a little I'm a little, I'm a little choked up. I'm a little choked up. Well, I will definitely say that among anything that happens here, uh, you know, I have known this lady for 24 years this year, and you know the thing is is that you never say it enough, and you know you think that people know it. And I always remember back, I was like, yeah, no, they know. You never have to say it. But I know I love my friends, and I love you, my friend. And I will always say that, uh, you know, people who call, people who support, people who do anything, thank you. Um, Next week, uh, I don't think we'll be here. That will be February 7th. Uh, That's birthday weekend. That's whoop, whoop. Early birthday weekend. Uh, we party will see. birthday weekend. We will see. But uh, if you do anything this weekend, enjoy uh, the Super Bowl. Not an excuse to go out and drink and drive. Don't do that. We want to see you all here next time when we come back. And uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we thank you for watching. Not watching, but for listening. You know what I mean. You know, Charles Osgood always say, we'll see you on the radio. Same thing here. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you.